Today we're in the third week of our six-week sermon series focusing on marriage and the family. We started Mother's Day, and we're going to finish up in just a few weeks on Father's Day. And I'm looking forward to what God's going to say to us, what he's already said to us in our study. I'm going to ask if you would go ahead and stand with me today for a word of prayer as we begin. Let's pray. Dear Father, we come today, we're thankful for you. We're thankful for Jesus Christ, our Lord, our Savior, our hope. We're thankful for the forgiveness of sin through Christ. We're thankful for restoration, for new starts through Jesus Christ. We're thankful for the truth of who he is and what he's done and who he is to us, our Savior, our reigning King. And so we praise the name of of Jesus. We come now as we begin to study your word. We pray that you would truly speak to us today. We're, we're thankful that we have and we, we hold your word in our hands, but we also pray that it is not just an academic study. It's not just a speech or, or some sort of class, but that the living God would supernaturally speak through his word today. And so we ask that you would meet with us in this event, that these words again would convict and teach and pierce our hearts and would, would train us up in righteousness that we would look as you would have us to look. We come today and I pray that the great result would be that some here would, would hear the gospel, that some in, in the institution of marriage would see the gospel, and that folks would put their faith in Jesus Christ even in this hour, Lord, especially in this hour. We tell you we thank you and we praise you. We sing of your mercy and we sing of your faithfulness, and we exalt the name of Jesus Christ. In his name I pray, amen. You may be seated. If you remember so far in our study, we have established that God's plan is for his truth, the truth of who he is, and the truth of what he has done to be passed from one generation to the next generation. That is God's plan. His truth would be passed to the next generation. More than that, we have established that the place for this transfer to take place is in the home. Very simply, God has designed and God has called our homes to pass on his truth. If you want to know why your home exists, if you want to know exactly what God says that your home exists for, it is to pass on his truth. Today, in 2017, as Christians, our homes are to exist to lead the next generation to Jesus Christ and then to equip them to lead the next generation to Jesus Christ. And the primary means of Christian discipleship is to be the Christian home. That is God's plan. That is by God's design. We saw that the last two weeks. Last week, we saw that the starting place, the foundation, is our understanding of God's plan for marriage. Our understanding of God's standard for marriage. The truth is, if we're to have homes that exists for God's glory, if we're to raise kids that know Jesus Christ, and if we're to equip them to lead others to Jesus Christ, the starting place is with a biblically grounded, God-honoring marriage. And that goes all the way back to creation. God's plan for Christian discipleship 
is the home. And that is the starting place. And that's why he begins telling us his plan for marriage. We find it all the way back to the creation account in the first of Genesis. Let me be clear today. As we begin this morning, as we continue this series this morning, listen to me today. Satan desires that the good news of God's truth would stall out. You surely know that, don't you? Satan desires that the good news of God's truth would stall out. And so the goal of Satan is that the family, the home, now that is the place that that truth is to be passed on through. His goal then is that the home would be destroyed. And his means and his method of destroying the home is to attack and to render as outdated and useless and unnecessary the institution of marriage. Hear me today, listen to me today. Satan is against marriage. Satan hates marriage. He's not removed somewhere, doesn't care. He hates marriage. He's against it. He's against the truth that is to present the gospel. He hates that. So Satan is against marriage. People today act like you can disconnect this. And they would say, well, we love God and we love his truth and we love the gospel, but at the same time, we desire to set aside his standard for marriage. No, his plan still stands. His standard still exists. Listen to me today. It is not popular. And I'll just tell you, this message is not going to be popular. I'll tell you up front. It is not preached today. But God's plan for marriage still exists. God's standard for marriage still exists. And I'll just tell you, I've said it, but I, I believe it. If we want to see a revival today... If we want to see a true movement of God today, and I mean a real movement of God, we're going to see it when it starts in our marriages today, in our homes today. I've said it for three weeks. We need a revival of the word of God in Christian homes. That's going to be our standard. That's what we'll live according to. Last week we heard in Matthew chapter 19, Jesus, as he taught on marriage. Now, some always say, well, Jesus never talked about it. Actually, Matthew 19, Jesus talked on marriage. And he tells us that marriage truly matters. And that was our sermon last week. The institution of marriage truly matters. Well, today, as we move on, as we continue in our study, we're going to see then our expectations in marriage. You see, it's not enough to just affirm God's plan for marriage if we will not and if we do not live out God's plan in our marriages. It's not enough to say, this is what God has said and I affirm that. If we're not going to actually obey and listen and live out his plan in our marriages. And so actually, we're going to spend the next few weeks looking at what is required of us as Christians in the context of our marriages. And we're going to see it in God's Word. Now, we're going to start today, and we're going to begin. There's a whole lot of places we're going to look and move through, but we're going to begin today in Ephesians chapter 5. Now, it is interesting here, this letter to the Ephesians, it was a letter written by the Apostle Paul. Most likely at the time that he writes it, he is under house arrest in Rome for his Christian faith. 
and he writes it to address this church in the city of Ephesus. Now, this city of Ephesus, it was a trade city. It was a center for academic thought. It was a very worldly city. It was a very materialistic city. And there was great wealth there in parts of the city of Ephesus. Also, going on in this city was the worship of several pagan gods. There was cult worship going on there in the city of Ephesus. And so Paul writes to instruct them really in Christian living. And you read the entirety of the letter. He is instructing them in Christian living. Really, he is telling them how to live as Christ's followers, especially in a worldly context. How fitting is that for us today? How to live in the midst of materialism how to, to live in the midst of false worship. And that's why he writes to tell them how to live as Christians, especially in this worldly context. Now, I think it is very telling here that he talks about, of all the things that he could have talked about, and can you imagine the great theologian Paul, of all the things that he can talk about, he talks about marriage and he talks about family relationships. How telling it is that the culture, the world, at Satan's directing, has always tried to distort marriage, has always tried to pervert marriage, has always tried to do away with God's plan for marriage. And so it's not a new thing. It was happening then as well. Today, all the ideas about there about marriage, and there's a truckload of stuff, all the books on marriage, all the studies and all the counselors out there ready to talk about your marriage and all the, the conferences and all the retreats. I want to tell you today, if they are not proclaiming God's word and God's word alone as our direction in marriage, as our instruction for marriage, they're going to lead us into disarray. We want to know what God has said. We need to know what God has said about our expectations in marriage. And so that's where we go today in the book of Ephesians. Today, as we move, as we begin, we start with the expectations for the husband. We start with the expectations for the man for the husband. Now, before half of you, and actually it's going to be more than half of you, say, well, this doesn't apply to me. I want to tell you, I believe it is vital for both of us to know the husband and the wife, the man and the woman. I believe it's good for both of us, future husbands and future wives, to know what God has said is his standard for each of us. And so women, wives, this is as much for you today as it is for anybody. So we're going to begin today in Ephesians chapter 5. I'm going to begin with the 22nd verse. It says this. Wives, be subject to your own husbands as to the Lord. Now, we're going to talk about this in detail in a couple of weeks. We're going to talk about it on Sunday nights. Now, I don't know if I said it, but I wouldn't miss tonight. I wouldn't miss Sunday nights. But the first thing we see here is there is a submitted order in the home. There is a submitted order in the home. Now, we're going to cover that in detail in the next couple of weeks. Moving on to verse 23. For the husband is the head of the wife, as Christ also is the head of the church, he himself being the Savior of the body. Verse 23, I'm going to read it again. 
For the husband is the head of the wife, as Christ also is the head of the church. He himself being the savior of the body. In verse 23, let me point out some truths here in this first verse, verse 23. Now, the first thing is this. The first thing I think we need to take note of is this. The institution of marriage, God's institution of marriage is so special, is so holy, is so sacred that the standards for marriage are modeled in the example of Christ and the church. Do you understand that? Do you see that here? God's institution of marriage, God's view of marriage is so profoundly sacred that the expectations in it are modeled after Jesus Christ our Lord and his body, the church. You look around today, today our culture, we play into it. We make a mockery of marriage. We treat it as a light thing. We treat it as some insignificant thing and we laugh about marriage and we make all the jokes about marriage and you watch TV and marriage is ridiculed on TV and we go to work and we talk about the old ball and chain at home and the, the old lady there at home and we really disparage and we defame and we denigrate God's institution of marriage. Listen to me today, that is Satan's plan. That's his plan. What, what God declares is sacred, Satan comes along and says is stupid. What God comes along and says is holy and is special, Satan comes and he derides and he says it is ridiculous. And that is the plan of Satan to belittle God's plan in marriage. God forgive us when we fall into that. God forgive us when we play into that. That is Satan's plan to belittle the truth of marriage. Second truth we see in this verse is this, and it's a foundational truth. It's a big deal. Second truth is this. The husband is to be the head of the marriage. The husband, listen to me, is to be the head of the marriage and thus of the home. Men, listen to me today. You're to be the head of your home. That's what God has dictated. Women, wives, listen to me today. Your husband is to be the head of your home. That's what God has dictated. Now, we're gonna talk about this in detail. This is not talking about, ladies, that you're inferior. This is not talking about that you're not equal. We're gonna talk some more about that. We're gonna start tonight talking about that. But, but the Bible says, God says here, the husband is to be the head of the marriage. Therefore, he's to be the head of the home. See the picture. The head is given the place of leadership. Now just think about that picture here, this analogy. A body, anybody is directed by the head. That's just a matter of fact. Well, this is saying in our home, in our marriages, the man is to have that position. He has the authority of that position. It's to be directed by the man. We are to be led in our homes by the headship of the husband, the headship of the man. Now, what does that mean? It means this. Now, listen very carefully. The course of the home. Now, remember, the goal of the home is to honor God. The goal of the home is to pass on the truth of God to the next generation. 
And so it means here that the course of the home is to be led by the husband. The course of the home is to be led by the head, which is the husband. Two things. First is this. If you find an organism, if you find a body, and I don't care what it is, if you find a body and it has no head, it is aimless. In fact, it is dead. If you find an organism, if you find a body and it has two heads, then it is divided in its effort and it is useless. If you find a body, if you find an organism and it's led by what's not the head, if it's led by someone other than the head, then it is perverted in its purpose and it is misdirected. But if you find a body and the head is operating as the head, it is operating in its divine purpose. Ladies, women, listen to me today. You are not to operate as the head in your marriage. You're not to seek out and you're not to take the headship in your marriage. And if you've done that, you're not operating in God's will. You're outside of God's plan. Now, the first thing I hear about that is this. I've had to address this several times. People say this. Ladies will come and they'll say, well, what if he won't lead? What if he's not leading my home? You think I wouldn't like to be led in my home? What if he's not leading? I have to do it because he won't do it. And that's, that's the matter of the fact. He's not leading. And so what about that? Ladies, be sure, listen to me. It's a matter of trust, not in him, but a matter of trust in God. And listen to me this morning. Failure on his part doesn't change the plan on God's part. He is to be the head of the home. And so men, listen, your duty in marriage is to be the head of your home. You're to lead the cause of your home. That's what God says. Now here's the second point of that. Today somehow we have separated our home into compartments. And so there's the area of finances, there's the area of money, and maybe I'll lead that area, maybe I won't. There's the area of child rearing of, of our kids and maybe I'll lead in that area, maybe I won't. And, and there's the area of the house and the household things and, and there's that area and then there's the area of work and, and our jobs and then there's the area of religion. And we come along and we see some very good men and they're leading most areas in their house, in their home, but when it comes to the religious direction of their home, they've passed that off. Listen to me, hear me today. All areas of the home are to honor God and all areas of the home are to establish the truth of God and to pass it on to the next generation. So listen to me today, men. All areas of the home are to be under your headship and if you're failing in any of them, but especially if you're failing as the spiritual leader of your home, it doesn't matter what you do in all the other areas. It's for not. You're to lead your home to know the truth of Jesus Christ, to one day have a relationship with Jesus Christ and then be equipped biblically to lead others to a relationship with Jesus Christ and all activities in your home fall under that. Look at the example. As Christ is the head of the church, he himself being the savior of the body. Now that's the example. As Christ is the head of the church, he himself being the savior 
of the body. Now, husband, listen to me today. You are not your wife's salvation. She's not saved because of the relationship you have with Jesus Christ. Your relationship with Jesus Christ doesn't cover her. She is saved, if she's saved, by faith in Jesus Christ, by her personal relationship with Jesus Christ. This is not what that's talking about, but see the example here. See what it's revealing here. It says, Jesus is the Savior of the church, and you are to be the Savior of your wife. Now, what does that mean? What does that look like? Savior means, it literally means this, one who saves from danger or destruction, one who protects or one who rescues. Now, wow, this is, this is good stuff here. This is very awesome. Men, your job is to lead your wife in a manner that she is upheld out of the dangers of this world. Your job is to lead your wife in a manner that she is upheld out of the dangerous schemes of Satan. Very simply, you're to protect her and you're to rescue her from all dangers. Now what that means is my wife will not fall into trouble because I'm gonna lead the home to follow God's direction. And by doing so, I'm gonna protect her. My wife's not gonna get hurt and she's not gonna get pulled into the snares of the world because I'm gonna shield her as we stand on God's truth. And by doing so, I'm protecting her. My wife is not gonna need to seek the affection and the affirmation of another man because I'm gonna love her like Jesus Christ and as I do that, I protect her. My wife's not gonna chase all the doctrine of the false teachers and get pulled into all the, the worldly ideas couched today as religious truth because in my home, I'm gonna lead and I'm gonna declare we're gonna follow what God has said in his word. And by doing that, I'm gonna protect her. And in those things, you're your wife's rescue. Jesus is the example. Verse 24. But as the church is subject to Christ, so also the wives ought to be to their husbands in everything. Again, a very awesome subject. We're gonna to come to it later. Again, be here on Sunday nights. We're gonna talk about it there as well. Verse 25, back to the husband. Husbands, love your wife. I'm gonna stop at the first part. Husbands, love your wives. Listen, that is a command of God. Husbands, love your wives. That is the duty of a Christian husband. That first and foremost, above all things, that is what is required of you as a Christian husband. Husbands, love your wives. The Greek word here is agapeo. It is a love that seeks the highest good for another. Listen to me, I lead my wife and I protect my wife because I deeply love my wife. And that is the command of God. Husbands, love your wife. How? To what extent? Listen to the rest of verse 25. Pretty high standard. Husbands, love your wives. Just as Christ also loved the church, and gave himself up for her. Do you hear this? Just as Christ also loved the church and gave himself up for her. Get this, I said it last week, get this. 
The primary earthly relationship for us is to be with our spouse. Husbands, your wife is to be before all others, even before yourself. And whatever it calls for, even if it calls for your own life, you are to love your wife and you're to love her at all costs. I was thinking about that this week. Today, our marriage relationships, I'm afraid, have become mirrors of our relationship with Jesus Christ. And you find folks today and it's all about us. And it's all about my needs and it's all about my wants and it's all about my happiness. And that's, that's how we approach Jesus. Lord, I need you to bless me and I need you to serve me. And it's all about my happiness and my comfort. Well, that becomes mirrored in our marriage relationships. And if you serve me and if you fulfill my needs and if you make me happy, then I'm gonna give you love. But if, if somehow I think that falls short and if somehow I feel my needs aren't met, then I'll withhold my love. Listen to me, that's not the biblical directive. Husbands, love your wives. Husbands, love your wives. Just as Christ also loved the church and gave himself up for her. Verses 26 and 27 are again laying out the analogy of Christ and the church as the example. I'm gonna move down to verse 28. It says this. And so husbands also to love their own wives as their own bodies. He who loves his own wife loves himself. Listen to verse 28 again. So husbands ought also to love their own wives as their own bodies. He who loves his own wife loves himself. Verse 29. For no one ever hated his own flesh, but nourishes it and cherishes it, just as Christ also does the church. What does it really mean to love your wife? We're commanded to love in verse 25. We're told the standard of our love in verse 25 is to be like Christ. We're shown there it's to be a sacrificial love. But what does it honestly look like? What does it practically look like to love your wife? Women's, men, listen to me. Women, you hear this as well. Husband, you show love to your wife by leading her. You show love to your wife by protecting her, by holding her up. But we're gonna see here, you also show love to your wife by providing what she needs to exist and to grow. Now the verse says there, your own body, you cherish it. That's, that's pretty normal. Our own body, we cherish it. Your own body, you nourish it. That word nourish there means this. To feed or to care for or to provide for. Now really it's probably all those things together. Unto, unto maturity. Or another one says unto completion. And so listen to this. I believe spiritually we're to lead our wife. Yes, we're to lead as, as we have been directed in God's word. And we're to turn our home continually back to God's direction in his word. Yes, we're to lead and we're to protect her spiritually. But I believe it's also talking about physically. Now, what that means is this. Listen to me today, men. If there 
is a physical need. And I'm not talking about wants, but I'm talking about needs. If there is a physical need, she will look to the man. She will look to us. 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 7 says that we're to live with her as with someone who is weaker. Now, it's not talking about in power. It's not talking about in position. It's not talking about in purpose. And so it must be talking about physically. We're to live with her as with someone who is physically weaker. Now, what that means is this. I am to provide as the husband in my home for her physical needs. Listen to me today. This sounds old fashioned and nobody wants to say it much anymore, but listen to me. If we're gonna have food in the home and if we're gonna have food to eat and if that's gonna be taken care of and if the kids are gonna be fed, fed, that doesn't fall on her, that falls on me. And if we're gonna have a roof to come to and a home and a house to enter into and if it's gonna be comfortable and if it's gonna be enjoyable, that doesn't fall on her, that falls on me. And whether it's clothes or any other need, we may both work a job, but listen to me, the responsibility of all that falls on me. Now, this is gonna sound old-fashioned, but I'll just tell you today, men today go around like a bunch of grown-up high schoolers. I think my dad and I think my granddad and I think my great-granddad would be appalled to see what men live like today. We live like a bunch of blowed up high schoolers and we gotta have this pickup and I gotta spend this money on the wheels that match this pickup and I gotta get the tires to have to go on those wheels and I want this gun and I want that gun and I wanna go to this sporting event and I wanna go to that sporting event and my wife is out there working and we come home at night and we're stressing out in our marriage and we're stressing out in our home trying to see if we're gonna make it to the end of the month. Listen to me, one of the ways the Bible says that you show your wife love is that as a grown man, you say, you know what? I may not have what I want. I may not get to do all the things that I want. I may work two jobs, but you mark it down, baby. When you come home, it's gonna be provided here because I am your husband. That's what the Bible says. That sounds old fashioned. I wanna tell you, that's God's plan. And that's not a stress she's gonna have. She's gonna have a lot of other stresses. That's not gonna be one of them according to God's plan. We lead her spiritually, yes. We protect her, yes. But her physical needs that she can go all the way to completion fall on me as the husband. Verse 25 again, I'm gonna go back and read it. Husbands, love your wives just as Christ also loved the church and gave himself up for her. Let's pray. Every Father, we come today and I'm thankful for the truth of your word. And I'm thankful you didn't turn it, shape it. It doesn't adapt with our desires and the culture, but it's still the truth and it still stands. And sometimes it hurts. Sometimes it convicts. Sometimes it requires a change, but you still are kind and you still are gracious and you're still infinitely wise and you still want to bless the home through your plan for marriage. Forgive us where we've been off track. Forgive us where we've gotten off track. 
Help us to turn to live according to your plan and then take it and bless it that we would raise up another generation of followers of Jesus Christ and they would have in their hearts and they would have in their heads the truth of Jesus Christ to go out and lead yet another generation to Jesus Christ. Forgive us where we fail, but empower us to change. Be honored in the result. Pray for some in this room that that are making decisions right now in all sorts of areas. Some in the context of their home. Maybe some as far as their personal salvation. I pray that you stir their hearts, that you speak to them. We tell you we love you, we thank you, we worship you. I pray in Jesus' name, amen.